Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Hello. Time for a little Holding Court tennis-specific podcast, and thank you all for replying on my Twitter feed as I posed a question of potential topics, and I got a lot of great responses, a lot of responses. Some of them, well, maybe not all of them great, but a lot of responses, so I appreciate that. And I'm literally going to go right down the list on my feed uh, as many as I can get in here, you know, I like to keep it around 20, 25 minutes uh, of what came across on my Twitter feed. So if I, I'm not going to skip one, I may not answer it if it's a topic I don't want to get into, but I'm going to read every one of them as much as I can. All right. First comes from Austin Price. By the way, this is October. What's the date today? Today is October 19th, 2022. So I went to my phone to find that. Let me get back to my Twitter. And I'm going to start with the first response that I got, which was from Austin Price. Potential tennis pickleball synergy partnerships. Uh, Excellent question. I mean, pickleball is the new craze. You're seeing uh, big celebs getting involved. I guess Tom Brady owns a team. You know, I'm not that dialed into. The, the pickleball world. I see it on Tennis Channel quite a bit. Obviously, working at our uh, tennis academy in New York, I hear from the club side how popular it is. I see it at our club in Long Island. Uh, Sport Time has a club out in Amagansett. So they started doing some pickleball in the indoor sort of arena across the street. Uh, we've yet to build pickleball-specific courts at our facility on Randall's Island, which, by the way, today is the first day that they're having the uh, migrants uh, use the facilities there, which have been under construction and getting set for the last couple weeks. So that that's another issue for another day. Um, but we haven't... There's Sport Time, our company that... Um, owns our tennis academy and, and a bunch of other clubs all over New York and Long Island specifically, but all over uh, New York, uh, I believe are very interested in possibly getting into it. Maybe not at Randall's Island at the moment, because we're doing quite well, knock on wood there with our tennis programming, both for kids, adults, and so on. Uh, but you know, there's plenty of places. I remember going to a tournament uh, with my daughter I believe I'm trying to remember. I think it was in Georgia. Yeah, I think it was in Georgia, maybe Rome, where they had that great tennis facility there. And I remember we were staying in a downtown hotel, downtown Rome, which is uh, relatively small, as you can imagine. Love it there, by the way. Great tennis people there, an incredible facility. I think 50 plus courts. But one of the facilities that was uh, by the downtown area had a ton of tennis courts as well. It was almost a satellite to the bigger facility. And they had just loads of pickleball courts. I remember one day, during the three, four days I was there with my daughter, uh, pickleball courts packed. And that's what you're hearing all over the country, uh, different places. So I, I love it. A lot of tennis purists don't like it. My brother being one, um, you know, it's very, it's relatively simple to play, at least at some sort of level, which is, I believe, why it's so popular. I'm for it because I think anything that gets a racket in people's hands is good for for racket sports and, you know, tennis being the leader of racket sports. So uh, that potential synergy uh, with pickleball could happen with tennis. I mean, maybe you set it up at different, you know, tournaments, uh, 
you know, the smaller professional tournaments, particularly in this country, can use different things to get people out there. Uh, the majors are obviously hugely successful. The U.S. Open, the BNP, Paribas Open, Indian Wells. Yes, I give them a plug because they sponsor our tennis academy. Uh, the Miami Open down south, Cincinnati, of course. Can all Those tournaments are hugely successful. But the smaller events, the 250s, the 500s on the main tour are not always as successful. I mean, it's a little, you know, it depends where you go. So uh, anything that can get more people out and interested, and yes, pickleball is much easier to pick up and play at a certain level, um, which, again, you want to get people out there playing. So you're seeing uh, Sam Query, who just retired from the main, the main tour, played his last match at the U.S. Open. He's super into it. Noah Rubin, uh, who came out of um, one of our facilities uh, in Long Island and, of course, had an amazing junior career, played uh, on the tour for a number of years. Uh, he's He did a whole Instagram post with uh, going to pickleball. That uh, he's too small to make it, you know, big time in tennis. He sort of had fun with it. So we wish him luck. And, I, and I'm, I'm guessing that you're going to see more sort of and, I, and obviously, I know that some of the top pickleball players right now on the pickleball tour played a pretty high level of tennis, not professional tennis, but uh, junior tennis or college tennis, and then have gotten into pickleball. So it's not it's not like a given, by the way, that just because you were you were a great player in tennis is necessarily going to translate to pickleball, but it definitely helps. So if you want to get into it, so I think it's fun. I think we'll see if it continues to develop. Uh, the coach, then my next one is tennis with a question mark. Uh, I guess he's not a tennis fan, uh, or maybe he is. He looks like he's got a red clay court there in his picture. Uh, so then uh, next one is AM. When will Novak overtake Nadal in Grand Slams? When will Nadal retire? Who will dominate the circuit after Novak, Nadal are gone? All excellent questions. Let's start with the last one. I think we we have a pretty good idea who's going to dominate or at least be close to near the top. Alcaraz is already there at number one. Uh, Sinner, not that far behind. Tiafos had a great run recently. Taylor Fritz. Uh, Musetti, the Italian. You got to put Medvedev. You got to keep him in the mix there. Sitsipas, the guys that are there already. Uh, maybe there'll be some, you know, 17, 18 year olds coming up soon that we don't know of yet. Uh, I could look at the junior rankings and get some idea. But uh, when will Nadal retire? Good question. Uh, hopefully not for a while. I mean, it was obviously touching. I, I haven't done a full podcast yet on the Labor Cup and being there for the all the emotions that were there for Federer retiring and, you know, Rafa sitting on the bench with them, them kind of holding hands and Rafa in tears as well. And, you know, of course, he was asked about it. Um, and, you know, he didn't, you would think just by watching him as a, just a fan that he was thinking about his own uh when his time comes, but he said, not really. It was all more about, you know, the relationship he had with Federer and obviously their careers have been amazing with each other, against each other and so on. Uh, so let's hope Rafa can continue to play a couple more years. I, I, I would guess that Djokovic will play longer if I had to bet right now, just because of, you know, he's a little bit younger and the wear and tear seems to, I've taken a little bit more of its toll on, on Rafa over the years, but you know, we, we've said that about Rafa 10 years ago and here he is at 22 with 22 majors, Novak at 21. Novak's looked amazing since he's been able to play, um, since Wimbledon, of course, couldn't play in the summer in the U S 
I didn't like the fact that he couldn't play, but it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole politics behind that at this point. Uh, I think they should have lifted it, but that's a, that's a government. That has nothing to do with the USTA and tennis. Okay, that's a government. You would think that at some point, whether you're vaccinated or not, is not going to be the determining factor if you can get into the country because, you know, knock on wood, uh, it seems like the pandemic is a lot more under control than it was uh, a couple of years ago. So I know we could go all off on a whole bunch of tangents on that politically that I'm not into doing right at this moment. I'm going to try to stick to tennis, at least in, um, for this particular podcast. Uh, when will Novak overtake Nadal? I mean, if he's able to play in Australia, which I bet he will be able to play, uh, he's allowed to get in the country now. If you're unvaccinated, you can get into Australia. Remember, they had the most strict con- conditions and protocols there of almost any other country, certainly Western country, um, in the world dealing with the pandemic. But now uh, anybody can get in because, you know, everybody, well, I'm going to say, I think it's because most people in Australia took the vaccine and they were able to get it under control. Um, Novak, of course, because he was deported from the country, uh, could be banned. I've heard anywhere from, it's either three or five years banned from coming back into the country. Uh, my sources, and I have a few, you know, I've done a few podcasts with a few of them, lawyers and so on, people connected, uh, media people down under in Australia saying they think with the change in government that's happened in Australia, they predict that that will be lifted for, for Djokovic and um, uh, in his particular situation. Because his, his, his is a specific situation. You know, when it came to the U.S. Open, it was only specific to him because he was not vaccinated. It wasn't like the U.S. government was singling out Novak Djokovic the way that the Australian government did uh, at the beginning of the year. The U.S. government just has a blanket rule. If you're not vaccinated and you're not a citizen of the U.S., you can't come into the country. It has nothing to do with being an athlete or not. Do they make exceptions? I I think there are instances where they do, and apparently uh, Novak did apply for one uh, but didn't get it. And the USTA stayed out of it. And by the way, Craig Tiley, who's still in charge, in Australia for Tennis Australia, I saw him gave a press conference you know, about a week or so ago in Australia uh, promoting the upcoming Australian Open, which is a couple of months away. And of course, he was asked about Djokovic and said that he will, they, Tennis Australia, will not get involved in any way, shape, or form. Of course, after the shit show that happened last year, you can understand why. Uh, let's see next is Mike Garofalo. I think tennis balls should be fluorescent orange. Discuss. Interesting idea. I'm not, you know, it's yellow is traditional. They, they're pretty bright too, but orange balls. Okay. Uh, I could be up for that. You know, Wilson and Penn, which are the two main tennis ball makers, Dunlop making them, you know, they might be a little rankled by that idea because they got a lot of, you know, yellow fuzz, but I guess they could turn that into orange as well. And I'm, I'm a big fan of orange. Well, Rafa play the end of the year finals comes from Callum Vincent and who will win it? Well, Rafa, if he's healthy, I think he'll play the finals. Uh, that's obviously a big F by the way, he also just had a baby boy, um, which you've noticed Rafa respects, uh, his own privacy and his wife a lot. And you haven't seen any, at least to my knowledge, I've seen no photos or any posts from him since his wife gave, gave birth. And obviously, it was a difficult um, uh, 
pregnancy late for his wife, which was uh, sort of an ongoing thing, which is part of the reason I think he just played the one match at the Labor Cup. So uh, I would expect that if he's healthy, he will play because he likes he he does want to support the tour, support the ATP, and that's a you know the the ATP will in their own way put pressure on whether it's Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, the top guys to play because it's important for the event and for the tour. And Rafa is the kind of guy that I think w- will do that. Um, I'd be maybe he'll play one other tournament would be my guess. Maybe Paris, which is a, a, a thousand. Uh, he never likes playing at this time of year. He doesn't play his best by far indoors is by far his worst surface. He's never won the year end championships. I don't even think he's ever been in the finals. I'm trying to think back to if he's ever made the final, I think he's made the semis a couple of times. Um, but by far it's his worst surface because the, you know, the low bounce and he just doesn't get the same spring on the court. So, uh, but I think if he can play, he will. By the way, you've got to continue with Fit Biomics with Nella. I've been taking it. It is absolutely amazing, okay? And I want you to go to the website, fitbiomics.com, and I want you to put in the code for Nella, PMAC25, P-M-A-C-25, and get your discount. Because I know there was a time this summer when it wasn't in stock, but it's back. That's because everybody loves it. So keep it going. I've been taking it for the last few months, feeling amazing. Still got to work on my sugar intake. Cut that down. I'm going to get there. But Nella, the product, is next level. So again, use the code PMAC25, and you will be locked in. Next up is Chad with recent retirements of all timers and aging Adele and Joker as an era of potential parody coming. Interesting. Good. Well, there's already, we already see parody for the WTA. Thanks for that. You also uh, asked for BG tennis nation to chime in. So we'll see if he will. Uh, I don't think we're going to see, well, we'll see a little more parity probably for the next couple of years, you know, similarly to when before Roger started to take over, uh, you know, the end of this sort of Sampras Agassi era, you had Hewitt win a couple, you had Roddick, you had Safin, um, you know, Ferrero, Moya, those kind of guys were in the mix. And then uh, obviously Roger started to take over in 2004. And then we had this era you know, of these all timers. So it's hard to imagine you're going to have that same kind of ear. You know, Alcaraz certainly could turn out to be an all time great, um, but it's, it's real early. So if he going to, are we going to see the same dominate? It just, it'd be, to me, it would be surprising to see it happen again. So I think there'll be a little more parity. That being said, it's hard for me not to see Alcaraz at the top and he can play on every surface. I mean, grass, he's still getting used to, but with the game he has, it looks to me like he'll be able to play well uh, on all the surfaces. Sinner as well. Uh, the WTA already has basically parity. I mean, Sviantec is actually distancing herself. She's the first female player to do that in a while. Barty was looking like she was starting to do that before she decided to retire. And um, Iga Sviantec is, I think she's lost his eight matches all year. She's won a couple more tournaments since winning the U.S. Open, and she's getting set for the year-end championships. I think it's better to have 
great rivalries at the top and consistent rivalries. So I don't think it's great for the sport to have the type of um, parity that the WTA has had, where it's a you know it's a different champion. I think at one point the, the semifinalists were all four different at all the majors for a couple of years in a row. That to me is not great for the sport because I think you want to have the, the casual fan and, and the casual sports fan, and you know, the casual tennis fan that watches at the majors, they want to see players they're familiar with in those big matches at the, uh, at the uh, end of majors. Uh, I sort of touched on the dominance of Ega. That was my, one of my next questions from Marge Mar, or Marg Douglas. Uh, why does so many awesome women players come from the Czech Republic? Great question. I mean, they're loaded. Uh, tennis is very popular there. Uh, there's not as many other sports for women in that in those countries than tennis. I mean, here in the U.S., uh, obviously because of Title IX and because there's so many uh, great college sports for for girls for women. So you see more girls. I'm talking girls when they're young. You know, play soccer, play lacrosse, play basketball. Tennis is certainly one of the sports as well. In the Czech Republic, now you could correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe someone out there knows more than I do. I, I haven't spent a lot of time around kids in Czech Republic. But my my suspicion is there's not as much organized sport in a lot of those countries for girls as there is in this country. And therefore, tennis is so popular. They've had so many great players in, in the Czech Republic uh, you know, Serbia, Croatia, but you're right. The Czech Republic is by far just a lot of facilities there. Uh, and again, you know, Lendl having been from there, Martina Navratilova, by the way, I gave her a shout out yesterday was her birthday. Happy birthday to her. Of course, she grew up in Czechoslovakia. Uh, now of course a U.S. citizen. So just so many great players over the years from that country. So I think those sort of dual couple of reasons, uh, Florence Lamert. Lorenz, uh, Alexander Zverev and his chances to win a major in 2023. Well, he was looking pretty good at the, at the French, right? When he beat uh, Alcaraz, he had Nadal, uh, I mean, giving him all he could handle in that match, which was the semis. Remember, it was like three hours. They didn't even finish two sets. Nadal found a way to win the first in a breaker. They were about to go to another breaker. Uh, and then he suffered that serious injury. So he tried to come back. It sounds like a little too early to play Davis Cup and then um, had a setback. So he's out for sure the rest of the year. Uh, hopefully for his sake, uh, he'll be able to play again uh, beginning of the year. But I think that's up in the air. I wouldn't expect that in just in the first year back, you know, it's going to be, he's, he's I, not going to be 100% at the Australian, you would think which normally you would say that would be one of his best chances, a hard court. Clay, is, he's good on clay, as we saw last year, but I still wouldn't put him as a favorite if it's 100%. So I would say next year his chances are not good, but hopefully for him he can get back um, to playing full-time. ATP rankings, David, John, Farces are not reflective of the true player rankings. Well, for this year that's true. Uh, and, of course, there's a couple of reasons for that. Normally I'm, I, I'm a huge supporter of the rankings because normally they – they tell the whole story, basically. Uh, but this year with COVID, 
with obviously the decision by Wimbledon to not give points, which by the way, in my view, totally backfired on them. And I saw a report recently that a few, a few of the people on the committee had resigned because of it. I don't know that for sure. I'd like to get a little more information on that. Um, but uh, they made a big mis- mistake by not allowing the Russians to play and the Belarusians, in my view, because they're playing everywhere else. The war is going on, which is horrendous, as we all know. Um, and then not giving points. So you're right, David, John, the not giving the points, you know, Djokovic is ranked, whatever he's now seven or eight, which is absurd. Uh, Nadal's not ranked as high as he should be. Now that's because he didn't play as much because of the injuries, but I think he's, I think he's got like eight tournaments on the, on, on, uh, his, his total for this year where, you know, most of the other guys are at, you know, 19 to 22, So uh, if you ask me right now, I would probably say Nadal should be one, Alcaraz two, very close, because, you know, Alcaraz won a major. He won six tournaments, including two other Masters events. Nadal, of course, won two. I give a little more weight to the majors. We all do. Joker won Wimbledon, and, you know, he's got a great record when he's been able to play. I mean, he should be two or three, right? I mean, so those are the three, to me, by far the three top guys for this year. Uh, Medvedev is still managing to hang around um, and hasn't had, a, for by his standards, I think, a great year. So I think the rankings are not totally indicative for sure um, of, of uh, where players should be. And then you look at someone on the women's side, like Rybakina, who won Wimbledon, and she's, I was just looking at the tournament this week in, in Mexico. She's not even seated. You know, which is ridiculous. So uh, that was a bad decision. Uh, MVS Murphy says, uh, well, next gen of tennis. How about the expansion of tennis in non-U.S., non-European locations? How can we get subsequent challengers and subsequent champions? From it? Tennis is a global sport. Are you paying attention? Ten- tennis is more global than it's ever been. Most people complain to me, why can't we get more of these events in our country, in the United States? These, these, Matt, these events are happening all over Europe, uh, you know, different parts of the world. You're, you've, you're seeing more diversity in where players come from than ever before in tennis. So I would in- encourage you to pay attention to that. Federico, Roger, that's all he needs to say. Uh, you know, that was an emotional and I think Roger wanted to give it one more shot. Just talking, generally speaking, he, he, I think he could have played at a reasonable level. We saw him play the doubles, uh, and play pretty well in the labor cup, but I don't think he wanted to go back out there with the knowledge that it finally became clear to him because of his knee that he couldn't push it to the limit and, and at least be a factor in, in the majors. And, you know, he, I don't think he was coming back just to say like, I have to win a major. He was coming back to say, I want to be competitive to where I'm Roger Federer and I've got a shot. Even when he left Wimbledon for the last time, he still got to the quarters, you know, basically playing on one and a half legs, which was pretty amazing. Uh, so if he had, if he thought he could be a hundred percent, I think he believed he could at least, uh, be a factor, but I, when he realized that that wasn't going to be possible, which was sometime this summer, that's when he decided to uh, pull the plug. All right, we're going to get to a couple more because i got a lot here. Uh, why the ATP still has no consequences for men who abuse women? Well, I mean, obviously, I know who you're talking about. And, uh, you know, with the case of Alexander Zverev, it's never been... He's never been charged with any. We can, we can hear the stories. Uh, they're very troubling and upsetting. Um, but until there's 
you know, actual uh, either legal um, ramifications or I guess, you know, I guess if you look at the NFL, for example, where they've had these kept issues all the time, if there's enough uh, evidence, even if there's not a legal situation, right, they could jump in and get involved. But that seems to be like happen a lot more. It, does, it doesn't happen that much in tennis. I know you got Basilashvili um, and his his story with his ex-wife um, in the country of Georgia. You've got Nick Kyrgios, who has been, you know, and the reason I started to, you, you know, I talked about the Kyrgios one more than I had talked, to, we certainly talked about Zarev on, on television with my ESPN job was because he was charged with something. Now he's denied it, and that's you know playing out in the, the legal process in Australia. But uh, I'm not saying you know I'm not taking a side either way of the woman who accused Zarev or Zverev himself. I mean they both have their side of the story. Obviously this is a, a very touchy issue from all levels, and 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 never ever would I condone you know doing any type of abuse, physical, verbal um, to a woman or to anybody. Uh, but it's hard to say the ATP, you know, what more could they do if, if there's no uh, legal uh, action taken? Uh, of course, they can investigate. Uh, maybe they have that we don't know about. Uh, so that, that's why I think it's, it's a little hard to say that take now, if, if let's say, for example, you know, Kyrgios got charged and met in, in, you know, he, he had to suffer the, you know, if he did it, if he actually hit this, his ex-girlfriend, um, then I think you, you, you could ask me the question again. Okay. Because then, then maybe the ATP says, okay, for unbecoming, you know, this is not behavior we tolerate. If you want to be part of the tour, then I could understand it. Who do I see as the next big three? I think I tackled that from 10 pro Michael Shore, my old buddy. Okay. The Ranger fan, uh, running for Congress, as he did out in California. We grew up together, me and Michael. We went to school together. So he likes to chime in. Is there any risk of live golf scenario in tennis? I don't know if I'd call it a risk. How about an opportunity for tennis players to make more money? Uh, I, the short answer is this has been bantied about. Um, it's possible, but I would say unlikely because I think tennis is a little bit more reliant on a few big superstars. So if you took, for example, you know, the tennis players ranked outside the top, even the top five, um, could you sell it the same way you could sell, you know, golf, there's more parity in who's, who can sell. Um, tennis is different and tennis also, you need those stars on the court. Um, you know, that's why some of the smaller tournaments struggle. If, the top players don't play and don't get into the final matches. Uh, they don't get, get as much attention. Whereas in golf, you know, everybody plays for all the days, right? Golf is a different dynamic. All the players play. So you can sell the TV rights and sponsorship rights, knowing you're going to see, you know, Rory McIlroy, you know, Tiger Woods in his prime, even if they don't play well, you can still see them on the last couple of days of the tournament in, in uh, the tournament in tennis. It's a different thing, but, I know there's a lot of tennis players that wish that um, they can make some more money um, because tennis, you know, they do pretty well, but tennis has struggled a little bit professionally in the um, pandemic and just starting to come back. All right, I'm already at 25 minutes. There's a lot more questions here. I see college tennis. I say ATP ranking points. I see what if live. Oh, yeah, another live from Mitch. 
Your thoughts on pickleball? I test that next year. Hopefully, never Alcaraz. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to do a second one. I guess we're going to have to come back, but we're going to knock this one out. We're going to leave this one where it is. But this is awesome to see everybody um, chiming in, including my old buddy Henry Blodgett, um, who wants to know when will pro tennis eliminate let courts? That's a good one. I think they should eliminate them now. That's when I think they should eliminate because I, I watch at our tennis academy. The, the, on the ITF junior circuit, which is the highest level junior tournaments, they play lets, like in college as well. They play lets. So they're basically playing lets. Now, in USTA tournaments, um, junior tournaments, they don't play lets. So when the kids are playing, they're practicing. You know, the first game, there's a let, and they're like, ITF or USTA? I mean, it's sort of absurd, sort of ridiculous. So uh, I'm going to get to more of these because there are a lot more. But as I said earlier, I like to keep these 20 to 25. I've already gone over that, but clearly a lot of interest and a lot more to discuss. So we'll have to do round two here uh, on tennis-specific issues on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. 